Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As California approaches the grim milestone of 50,000 COVID-19 deaths, increasing attention is being paid to the disproportionate impact of the pandemic on the state's Black, Latino, and Asian populations and racial equity and access to vaccines. Just consider this. According to the state, out of 7 million vaccine doses administered so far, more than 32% have gone to white Californians, while African Americans have gotten just 3%. In response, more mobile vaccination centers are opening in African American and Latino neighborhoods, like one I visited yesterday in the parking lot of a black church in Inglewood. Resident Patricia Carr, who had just gotten her first shot, stopped me and wanted to talk about the importance of placing such centers in communities of color. They need to have more of this. They need to, this is reaching the community. It's perfect, it's not crowded. The people are on top of things and they're getting the job done. We're getting our vaccination and we're happy about it, you know? And I thank God that they bought the vaccinations here because this is getting closer where people can actually walk from the neighborhood here if they, if they don't have any cars. Also on hand was Governor Gavin Newsom, who toured the vaccination center and acknowledged that enough hasn't been done by the state to get vaccines to communities of color like Inglewood. The reason I'm here is we own that. We recognize our responsibility to do more. We're not doing enough. We need to do significantly more. The African-American community deserves nothing less. So this is a down payment in that perspective, but we have a lot more work to do. And State Senator Steve Bradford, who represents Inglewood, says he's concerned about what he calls vaccination gentrification. More affluent people coming from outside working class black and Latino communities to get shots as more vaccination mobile centers open. We have to do a better job in making sure that the communities that are first in line for infection, first in line for death, are not at the back of the line for vaccination. It's an awareness issue that we're not doing at the same level and black communities. We popped up a center um, a month ago. 300 people in line, five were African-American. People from Rolling Hills, Beverly Hills. They, how did they get the word out? But they seem to know more so than we do. So we have to do a better job of getting the word out as well. State Senator Stephen Bradford. Meanwhile, California's new system of delivering, tracking, and scheduling coronavirus vaccines, being led by Blue Shield, is rolling out this week in select counties. Ten counties in Central and Southern California will be making the transition. Although full details of exactly how the Blue Shield system will work have not been released, as long as it has the necessary supply, the state is expected to be able to administer 3 million vaccines a week starting March 1st. And the insurance 
sure will also be developing an algorithm to determine how vaccines are allocated and to help providers get doses to the right populations. Staying on the pandemic, the state legislature is set to take up a massive COVID relief package today, and lawmakers might also consider a controversial plan to reopen schools. KQED's Katie Orr has the details. Governor Gavin Newsom and legislative leaders have already reached an agreement on the $9.6 billion relief package that would include direct payments to the state's lowest income earners. But Newsom opposes a school reopening plan that could also be taken up today. It would aim to get schools reopened by mid-April if coronavirus infection rates drop and teachers are offered vaccines. Newsom says those provisions aren't needed and schools should be able to open now. I've made it crystal clear I can't support something that's going to delay the safe reopening of schools for our youngest kids. Newsom says the state will start setting aside 10 percent of its vaccine supply for educators and child care providers in an effort to restart in-person learning. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. In San Bernardino County, some elementary schools are scheduled to reopen today. After coronavirus case numbers, they're dipped low enough for long enough. From KVCR, Benjamin Perper reports. Improving coronavirus case numbers reached the threshold Friday to allow for elementary school reopening. In addition to public elementary schools, private ones like those within the San Bernardino Catholic Diocese can now reopen as well. Spokesperson John Andrews says kindergartners at the diocese's 12 elementary schools in San Bernardino County arrived on campus today, with the rest of the kids in grades 1 through 6 scheduled to join them by March. Andrews says based on a survey conducted by the diocese, most families prefer in-person schooling, but online classes will still be an option for families who don't feel comfortable sending their children back to campus. I think it'll feel familiar in a good way for the uh, the kids and the parents and the, and the teachers to be together on campus, but we uh, are very intent on having uh, health and safety precautions followed on campus so that we can do everything that we can do to prevent the spread of the virus on campuses. All students, faculty, and staff will adhere to safety measures including morning temperature checks, mandatory hand sanitizing and face coverings, and no movement of classes, meaning students and teachers will remain in the same cohort throughout the day. Neighboring Riverside County, also part of the San Bernardino Diocese, didn't meet the same threshold to reopen, but case numbers there are improving as well. For the California Report, I'm Benjamin Perper in San Bernardino. 
One of the Trump administration's most controversial changes to U.S. immigration policies was the so-called Remain in Mexico program. It required people seeking asylum in the U.S. to stay south of the border as their asylum cases were being reviewed. But under the Biden administration, Remain in Mexico is being rolled back. The first tangible example of that was the processing of a group of asylum seekers at the San Ysidro Port of Entry, south of San Diego, on Friday. KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler was there and has this report. 25 asylum seekers were loaded onto a bus on Friday morning and driven into the United States, where they'll continue their asylum cases, no longer made to wait in Mexico. They're the first of at least 25,000 people with open cases who will be allowed into the U.S. But for others who are at the port of entry on Friday, the waiting continues. Some of the people lined up on Friday had been there for as long as three days. Many were not part of the Remain in Mexico program, which right now means they're not eligible to be processed. One of those people camped out was Marjorie Rosales. She was from Honduras, which she fled because she was sexually assaulted after an extortion attempt. She spent one year in Chiapas, Mexico, waiting for a visa, and has been in Tijuana for a year. She desperately wants to claim asylum for her and her two-year-old daughter. She makes a living selling ice cream on the street. She says she's waiting for the president to open his heart and help those on the border because they're sleeping outside, and it's cold. Many migrants came to the port of entry on Friday looking for information, and advocates handed out flyers to explain who qualified for the new policy. But the border remains closed for almost all asylum seekers, including the thousands of Haitians and Cameroonians in Tijuana who were never enrolled in the program. Alex Mensing with Innovation Law Lab helped migrants understand Friday's changes. So today, um a lot of people have showed up to the port of entry um, who don't have enough information, who maybe don't quite understand what MPP is, who have heard rumors or misinformation about what is going to happen today. The 25 people that were admitted to the U.S. on Friday were tested for COVID-19 beforehand. They'll now be helped by the San Diego Rapid Response Network, a coalition of local nonprofits, and the county, which has provided hotel rooms for the asylum seekers. Michael Hopkins is the organization's president. They'll be transported to uh, to a hotel, local hotels, um, and then we'll begin that work of uh, doing the health screening, um, figuring out where they're going, uh, helping them make contact, figuring out whether they have the funds or we need to provide the funds for the air travel. The Rapid Response Network says it's prepared for the program to ramp up to hundreds of asylum seekers each day. But for the thousands in Tijuana this program doesn't yet apply to, they'll continue to remain. For the California Report, I'm Max Rivlin-Nadler in Tijuana. And that's the California Report for Monday, February 22nd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. Hint. Water with a touch of true fruit flavor. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. And Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. 
stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as like the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.